0: We're going to start in Ottawa tonight. The federal government announced new sanctions today against 25 senior Iranian officials and nine government entities a week after promising to bar officials from entering Canada and freezing Canadian-held assets. Now, this is all in response to last month's death of 22-year-old Masa Amini, Two days after she was arrested by Iran's morality police were allegedly wearing her hijab too loosely. That sparked weeks of protests and, of course, repression of those protests. Now, the government says the sanctions are meant to target those who enforce repressive measures, violate human rights, and spread the regime's propaganda, and that more sanctions are coming very soon. But the Conservatives in the House of Commons today continue to urge the government to follow through on a motion the House of Commons adopted back in 2018 to designate Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps as a terror group. This terrorist organization murdered over 50 Canadians right. by shooting down
1: a civilian aircraft over two years ago. That's right. This government promised they would ban that terrorist organization not long after that. They still haven't done it. It is perfectly legal for that group to raise money, organize logistics on Canadian soil after it killed our people. What is happening in Iran is completely unacceptable. This is the regime that is persecuting women. This is the same regime that decided to uh, down fight PS752. Therefore, we are sanctioning the RGC's core leadership. imposing new sanctions, and you know what, Mr. Speaker, we will do more because more needs to be done.
0: Opposition leader Pierre Poilievre there and Foreign Affairs Minister Mil- Melanie Jolie responding. Now, Canada's latest rounds of sanctions on Iran come just days after new sanctions against Russia. But it is one thing to announce sanctions, which they've been doing a lot of of late, but quite another to have the proper structure in place to enforce them. And that's where it gets tricky. Joining me now is John Boscarial. He's a partner and head of McCarthy Tetros International Trade and Investment Law Group. He's often testified on Parliament Hill about enforcement of economic sanctions and anti-terrorism laws. Thanks for your time tonight. Great to be here, Ben. I guess to start with these Iran sanctions we knew they were coming um, but just the impact of them and are they are they enough do you think
1: uh, it is a good question and, and we did know they were coming um, the prime minister announced something was coming last week so we were all watching for it carefully uh, we already have a sanctions program in place against Iran we've had that in place for many years up until about 2016 it was a full Pretty much a full trade embargo on doing business with Iran. But starting in February of 2016 uh, forward, Canada relaxed those sanctions significantly to the point where they were largely, uh, even today, largely focused on just not providing uh, weapons or items for nuclear development or dealing with parties on a list. And essentially what's happened today is now that we've seen the sanctions that have been issued in response to the killing of Masa Amini is that they have added uh, about 34 names of individuals and entities to that sanctions list. Um, Now, if if you were to ask me, is that gonna have a huge impact? Um, It's it's a good question because I suspect those individuals and entities don't do a lot of business with Canada. Uh, They don't do business with Canadian banks. Uh, And so uh, the impact will, I expect, be largely symbolic. Um, It's Canada's way of condemning the action as as best it can. And it's really a signal to Canadian companies that um, going forward, they cannot do business involving these entities or these individuals.
0: I would imagine it, all, it, again, also sends that wider signal if if the sanctions regime had been relaxed, and this signifies a tightening of it once again, I would think.
1: It, it is a tightening of it, but if we compare it to the Russia sanctions, for example, it is still much more relaxed than the Russia sanctions. So again, these are sanctions that are largely based on lists of individuals and entities you can't do business with. Um, the individuals and entities on those lists aren't um, really part of the international economy in any event, Not certainly not the same way we had Russian banks and uh, businesses owned by Russian oligarchs, which were integrated into the international economy and financial system. Here, these are players that are largely isolated in any event because of their base in Iran. And so um, it, it really Canada could have taken more aggressive steps, um, for example, to ban all exports to or imports from Iran or to uh, um, prohibit uh, financial services being provided for the benefit of Iran or persons in Iran. They didn't go that far. Uh, but clearly, uh, it seems that they wanted to at least send out a signal that uh, they they more than just words in terms of condemning the killing of Masa Amina. Amini, but actually putting in that—that that I think um, a little more substantive.
0: Yeah, I mean they're certainly targeting people who would be, you know, at least at the top of the pyramid when it came uh, to that to that killing, uh, including the IRGC, the commander-in-chief, as well as the head of the morality police, as well. Now, there's been a lot of talk about about declaring the Revolutionary Guard as a terrorist entity. I'm not sure you can speak to that, but yeah. certainly that that will come up again no doubt, in reaction to what was announced today?
1: It, it will. Um, the IRGC is already on our sanctions list. So for these sanctions that were announced today that added the IRGC's Cyber Defense Command, um, That I'm not sure that actually added much because the IRGC as an entity is already sanctioned. The significance, though, of adding them to the terrorist list um, is... is uh, quite important to note, if if Canada were to do that, you know, that would be the equivalent of doing um, what we've done to the Taliban, uh, to the Proud Boys, for example, uh, and other organizations that Canada truly considers to be terrorist in nature. And once someone is added to that list, it's a different list that's under our criminal code, Uh, but there's very little you can do with that entity Uh, And actually, the government doesn't even have an ability to issue you a license to allow you to do anything with that entity. So it's stricter than sanctions. It's a step up. Um, I'm not sure how much extra it would actually uh, mean in terms of not doing business with the IRGC, because already we cannot do business with the IRGC because they're on the sanctions list.
0: It's always difficult in these situations to try to separate politics from policy. Of course, right? I mean, there's so much comes out about what isn't there. Uh, you mentioned earlier that these sanctions are mostly symbolic, but at this point in time, as you also mentioned, beyond symbolic, uh, what exactly can the government do to to, to put pressure on the regime um, to change course here?
1: Uh, you know, certainly. In the years uh, from when the Harper government was uh, was in charge of things up in Ottawa, we saw the sanctions get very aggressive. And then when the Trudeau government came in and we had the JCPOA negotiated with Iran between the UN, US and Iran, um, you saw those sanctions peel back significantly. But at the same time, there's still, uh, there's some, but not a lot of Canadian companies that would even be doing business today with Iran. Uh, because of that, I think there's a limited impact Canada can have. Canada does take a leadership role, I would say, internationally and, and imposing sanctions and acting in a coordinated, coordinated way with our allies in the United Kingdom and the United States, the European Union. At the end of the day, um, we have nowhere near the economic connections or financial connections that we had with, for example, prior to the invasion of Ukraine. And so uh, from an economic point of view, I think um, in terms of economic relations between Iran, it's going to have limited impact. And, And I'm not sure there's much more on the sanction side you can do to really change behavior other than these kind of symbolic moves.
0: John Boscario is our guest this half hour. He's a partner and head of McCarthy Tetro's International Trade and Investment Law Group. We've been talking about sanctions, new ones imposed today by Canada on a number of people in Iran, uh, specifically within the Revolutionary Guard as well as the head of the Morality Police, the Chief of Staff of Iran's Armed Forces. This is all in reaction to the death of 22-year-old Masa Amini in mid-September, who died in custody of Iran's Morality Police after allegedly wearing her hijab too loosely and being stopped on the streets of Tehran, uh, and the protests that have followed, and the calls as well. The other countries have been imposing these sanctions as well. Um, John, we've been seeing a lot of sanctions announcements recently, and sometimes it's hard to sort of field through them to see if they're actually working or not a lot, you know, new round on Friday against Russia in response to the uh, illegal annexation of four Ukrainian uh, provinces or oblasts. Um, Are, are we, are we, are they having an impact and are, do we have enough in place to actually enforce these sanctions that we, that we're imposing? It seems uh, quite often now. It's
1: a good question. I think it's an important question, Ben. Um, I think, uh first we can say that as an important member of a coalition of countries that are imposing sanctions against targets and let's take russia for for example it is important that canada have these measures in place or else it will be a vehicle through which a lot of um that activity could um take place to evade sanctions in our ally Countries uh, in our ally members. So it's important that Canada be seen to be fully aligned with the UK, the EU, and the United States with these measures. In fact, in the case of Russia, many aspects of the Canadian sanctions are more aggressive than those of the EU uh, and the United Kingdom. Uh, and that's it's a bit of a surprise, but the way Canada drafts some of these measures they have been uh, more aggressive than the allies. Uh, on the enforcement side, on the administration side, it's a bit of a different issue. Although we have very aggressive measures on paper and uh, they appear to be very aggressive, um, Canada just doesn't have the same level of resources that the EU or the United States has devoted to sanctions enforcement. Uh, and you know, largely that's, that's a numbers game. Um, Canada is a bit of a a newcomer to um, uh, the sanctions enforcement uh, game, if you will. Uh, The United States has been doing this for decades. Uh, They are very well resourced. The Office of Foreign Assets Control in the United States, which enforces these, is um, a very large organization, many, many times the size of a group in Canada that's responsible for administering these sanctions. So there's there's a resource issue there. Um, as well, you know, the, the RCMP here in Canada are responsible for enforcing sanctions. And uh, although I can tell you there's enforcement going on behind the scenes, we just don't have the same, I think, kind of public name and shame approach that you'd see in the United States and some other jurisdictions. Uh, and we don't have the same level of penalties in the United States, penalties for sanctions, violations, um, and and settlements that you see from time to time are in the hundreds of millions, sometimes billions of dollars. And we're not even close to that here in Canada. Uh, So Canada has some way to go. I I think uh, the government officials here within the bureaucracy at Global Affairs Canada are doing the very best they can to administer these laws. But um, it's largely a game of catch-up for them. The the government and the politicians are imposing some very aggressive measures, um, but I, I think more resources would be needed to actually enforce and, and administer those measures in a way that's going to be more effective for
0: Canada. Does it undermine Canada's credibility if we can't enforce these sanctions? I mean, you mentioned that we are meant to be in lockstep to use a term that we probably use too often with our allies here so that we don't become, um, you know, sort of an Achilles heel in this whole sanctions uh, strategy at the same time, if we can't enforce them, it would suggest that there, it may undermine our credibility. If for instance, it were to be caught, it found out that somehow people were evading uh, these sanctions in Canada because we weren't able to catch them.
1: Yeah, I I think that's a great point. I I think there is a risk of Canada being seen as as a means of evasion if the enforcement isn't sufficient. Now, Canada has put in place some measures, um, including, for example, um, uh, measures that allow the government to confiscate the property of parties that are sanctioned um, under our sanctions regime and sell that property and distribute the proceeds for various purposes, and including, in the case of the Russia sanctions, the, the rebuilding of Ukraine. Um, so the, the measures are certainly there. Uh, the messaging is there. Um, but I, I do think, uh, on the administration side, and, and when I say administration, I'm, I'm not just talking about enforcement, uh, in terms of the cops going out there and beating down the doors of companies and finding out what they're doing with Russia. It's really having, um, a communication, a very strong communication with, business community in Canada, that's important, where government um, works closely with the business community, uh, makes it very clear as to what these sanctions mean for the business community, and gets cooperation in enforcing them internationally. Um, Canada could do a better job on that. And and that's not, again, not because of uh, the small number of officials that are within the government right now that are responsible for enforcing and administering. It's really a matter of devoting Sufficient resources.
0: John Buscariell, thank you so much for your time.
1: Uh, great to be here. Thank you, Ben.